At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that's learned that ghosts stop chasing you when you start chasing them. This is Hysteria 51. What the hell does that even mean? Uh, well, admittedly, I'm not exactly sure, but it sounded a little a little pithy and somewhat wise, so I threw it in. Or you just play a lot of Mario Brothers. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> it's, it's you should stay in your lane. <laughs> What was that? Wait, was that a Mario Kart reference there? What's yes, going on? Yeah, we're keeping the Nintendo theme. <laughs> <laughs> this from the talking toaster that thinks the quickest way to take over the world is to start a hedge fund that mostly in- invests in cat assassinations. Prove I'm wrong. <laughs> there it is. I mean, sound, I, sound I, uh, defense there. I suppose as long as he's functioning, he hasn't failed yet. <laughs> anyway, we are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth, and the other sentient being that you're hearing from and sitting across from me is the man so viral, mosquitoes catch disease from him. Mr. Brinthand. Uh Thanks, John. Not sure if that was a dig or a compliment, but I'll choose to take it as both. That way I can both accept the compliment because, I mean, damn, I'm good. But at the same time, I could remain mad at you because that's also my just natural state. So it's a win-win. <laughs> I'd, I'd expect nothing less. Uh, and back to your other point about CBUT. I wasn't wasn't aware of this. Well, what's he doing with a hedge fund or whatever? Well, okay. Like, like anything with him, it's a bit hard to track, but... You know how there are like investment tools slash funds out there that are mission driven, mm-hmm. if you will, um, yep. meaning, you know, you put your money into it because it invests in sustainable energy uh, or clean air or, or something like that. Mission driven. Basically, you hope to make money while not fucking the world at the same time. Yeah, I'm, you know, uh, not a fan, but aware of the dumb joke and I'm aware of this. <laughs> So you're aware. Well, Seabot wants to do the same thing, only he wants to invest in companies that work towards only one goal, the death of cats, felines. That checks. Okay. Well, <laughs> beyond the sheer idiocy of the idea, do those companies actually exist? Is that a thing? A refreshingly large number do. And the non-believers. We, 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 we want the streets to flew out with the blood of the non-believer cheese muffins. Muffins. Oof. Okay, okay, okay. Seabot, what the hell is that? I seriously doubt Kyle came to that one on his own. While I appreciate the compliment, nope, that was all the coffee maker. Uh, Kyle, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know. Not sure what it means, but saw it on this awesome new show, Beavis and Butthead. I am the great Cornelio. <laughs> you have awakened my bungool, and now you must pee. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, first of all, that isn't new. You, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to try to explain it. If there is one show that those two bozos shouldn't be peer modeling from, it's probably Beavis and Butthead. And what a timely show. <laughs> not, not, you know, also. Um, it is true, though. It is a surprisingly cogent comparison. If you think about that is it. true. Uh, <laughs> if you're new to the show and are wondering what the hell all of that has been, the angrier one that talked first is conspiracy bot. Brent built him in his lab to help produce the show. Instead, he spends his days drinking and scheming the demise of all felines with a then small amount of time dedicated to taking over the world. Yeah. And the coffee maker with a non-understanding of how life works is Kyle Seabot in an attempt to match my laziness. And that's me talking. Created Kyle to do his grunt work. But like me, he's constantly disappointed in his creation. I know you are, but what am I? A constant disappointment. I, I hate repeating myself. Loser says what? Ah, oh, Lord. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Enough from the robot peanut gallery, Brent. We have some ghosts to chase tonight and a special guest to help us do that. Before we bring him out, let's give you the gofopedia on tonight's guest, renowned author specializing in the world of the weird, Mr. Mark Hartsman. Yeah, he is steeped in all things weird. He's written about ghosts, Mars, Oliver Cromwell's embalmed head. I mean, who hasn't, though? So, you know, weird things on eBay, <laughs> sideshow performers, unorthodox messages from God, and more. Literally our bread and butter, period. Yeah, yeah. I, well, well, listen to this description. ABCnews.com called Hartsman, quote, one of America's leading connoisseurs of the bazaar. Uh, and even George Norrie, friend of the show, George Norrie from Coast to Coast, said, quote, he's as bizarre as Robert Ripley. That's awesome. I'd be, yeah. I love going to Ripley, believe it or not, places every time we travel. They're just. Yeah, I've only, you know what? I've only actually been inside of one. I went to the one in. Uh, uh, I went to the one in Myrtle Beach, um, South Carolina. There. Yeah, I believe. Raise up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the believe it or not, there is a there's a rip. Believe it or, believe not, it or not, there's, there's a, a believe it or there. not there, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, also believe it or not, outside of his books, Hartman has written for Mental Floss. That's awesome. Uh, Huff Post. AOL Weird News and Bizarre Magazine, which is no longer in print, and that sucks because it was awesome. And he's discussed oddities on CNN, MSNBC, uh, Ripley's Radio, Travel Channel's Mystery at the Museum. I mean, he's been all over the place, and he's an expert on missile mail, which was a real thing back in the day. And he's been on a lot of shows to talk about that, how they used missiles to send mail not to be outdone also, uh, in keeping with our little Val Kilmer that we've been talking about, his wife is related to Mark Twain, who Val played in Citizen Twain. That's true. Now, Brent, I am, uh, I'm assuming that you're already in contact with his people. He's going to need to update that part of his bio, um, discussed oddities on CNN, MSNBC, and Hysteria 51. That's true. To go there. Yeah. Well, this is what they call in the business a resume builder show. You come on here <laughs> true. when you're needing to pump that thing up a little bit. I just enjoy the general idea that whenever people are referring to the business, they use the words Hysteria 51. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the business, Hysteria 51. <laughs> well, in the business of world records, he owns eight world records uh, in lightweight juggling. So there's that, too. Figure that out. And he's been a Maury Povich and... Wheel of Fortune. 
So <laughs> we're gonna have to ask him about Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, so know all about Pat Sajak. I, I literally, this guy, you guys are gonna like him. He's a lot of fun, and the book was fantastic. So uh, we're gonna go to break. When we come back, Mark joins us to talk about his new book, Chasing Ghosts: A Spirited. Ooh, see what he did their tour through the supernatural history of America from its haunted sites to its famous ghosts to its ghost obsessed pop culture. That's all coming up after the break on Hysteria 51. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some? Weird online thing. I know I took two years in high school and two years in college, and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor, and we use it, Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. (laughs) I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips you need language in life you need to brush up on stuff maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else somewhere you know who knows well if they're in the one of the 25 rosetta's gonna work for you and <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that and there is a 50 percent offer so it is a steal so don't put off learning language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Nation, we are back, and as we promised, we have Mark Hartsman here. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'd love to talk uh, the world of the weird, the strange, and it is right up your alley, so to speak. Yes. No, I, I love it. All, all things weird and strange. It's it's always fun to talk about. I, I was, when we had said before we went to the break, we were reading uh, a little exhibit. ABC News called you one of America's leading connoisseurs of the bazaar. That's a hell of a title. I like that. I'm ha- you know, I'm very happy with that title. <laughs> Worked hard to maintain it. Before we get to your book, one title that I got to bring up is uh, one that you also can hang your hat on, and that is Wheel of Fortune winner. I mean, you yeah. made it to the last round. How does that happen? 
How did you get on Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> you know, it's it's like that's a weird thing. <laughs> we don't actually care about your I, book. We're only here to talk about your Wheel of Fortune experience. <laughs> I, I honestly, this was never something that I expected to happen. And I, I'm not like someone who watches the show all the time. It's like, oh, it's my dream is to get on Wheel of Fortune. I was just started watching it with my kids a little bit. You know, I used to watch when I was a little kid. Um, my kids were enjoying it. So I was like, okay, I'll watch with you. And, you know, like anyone who's sitting at home on their couch, you know, you can solve puzzles fairly easily at a certain point, you know? Sure. So my kids were like, dad, you're really good at this. You should go on the show. And they were like, uh, this was what, five? So like, they were like, let's say 11 and nine-ish around there. Um, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm never going to get on the show. And I just try out dad. So I said, all right, let me make a little video and I'll send it in. We'll see what happens. So I did that. I, there were some directions on the website. So I followed the direction, sent it in, forgot all about it. Um, and then like six months later, I got an email saying that they want me to come try out because they're going to be in New York and I'm, I'm in New York City. So um, so I actually couldn't make it that time. I was going to be out of town and I let them know. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll get you next time we're in town. I thought, oh, that's, that's nice of you. Okay. <laughs> and sure enough, a year later, they email again. They said, hey, Mark, we're back in New York. We want you to try out. It's like, oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah, one so of those I things you just thought they were going to throw you on the garbage pile. And I like, just yeah. assume, like, oh, you know, they've got millions of entries, right? Right. I mean, that's better follow up than most of the salespeople I deal with. Yeah, <laughs> everyone there from top to bottom was fantastic to deal with. Pat and Van are super nice people. Like, everyone was just uh, was just incredible to work with. I have to say. Anyway, so I, I tried out. I, I did well, and they sent me a letter a few weeks later saying you're in our contestant pool, and then they had a show for me, and I flew out to L.A. And I had really good luck. And I just got back from my trip to Costa Rica that I won. That, that <laughs> After a year wow. delayed because of COVID. Yeah. Wow. That is really awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. First Thank off. You. And uh, all right. So as a longtime viewer of Wheel of Fortune, I wouldn't call myself a fan or anything, but I, I mean, gosh, I was, like you said, I was a kid and I was watching it and I'm still, and, and Pat and Vanna are still there also. Yep. <laughs> Pat, uh, I, I've never seen someone who ages less than Pat Sajak. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in person. Is it, what is he? He just it, like, he's always got the quippy one-liners and you know, he's like, he's like the, uh, if I was going to draw up a, a, a fictitious, this should be a, a, uh, a host of a game show. I would come up with Pat Sajak. Like what, what is it? What, what's he like in, uh, in, in just chatting off, off camera? Yeah. He, it's everything is so effortless for him. You know, like you, you, I had this appreciation for how good he is at his job and why he's been doing it for 40 some years, whatever it is, you know, uh -huh. um, he is, he's just, he puts you at ease right away. As soon as he comes out and talks to you, you're like, oh, okay. You know, any nerves you had just kind of go away. Yeah. He's just, he's uh, very good like that. And yeah, it's just chatty and friendly. And Vanna was as well. Like I said, they were just genuinely nice people. It's kind of the, the calm everybody down. I, I love that style of, 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 of person just walks in a room and everyone's like, can breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, I can do this. <laughs> right. It's okay. Well, we're not here for the game show hour, I promise, but I, I did have to ask you that because I was like, wow, that is really, really awesome. So you do, though, have a brand new book coming out and it's, well, this one is about ghosts, but it's not your first delve into the world of the weird. 
What brought you into that? What got you to 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 be considered a connoisseur of the bizarre? We always, you know, on this show, we talk about everything from aliens to ghosts to the bizarre, supernatural, undefined mysteries. You know, you can't figure it out. Just uh, anything you might see a special on on uh, uh, on discovery or history or whatever. And so, and we just affectionately call it the world of the weird. So we love all the topics that you've that you've done stuff on, not not just the ghosts that we're going to talk about today. Cool. Yeah. Well, I've I've kind of always been into since I was a kid, and I kind of trace it back to my first experiences with the world of the weird, which was through the Guinness Book of Records that would come out every year when they were those little paperback books. And I love the first section of the book, the human. I think it was called the Human Bodies, um, with all sorts of oddities and. My favorite was Robert Wadlow, the world's tallest man yeah. ever. Eight foot, 11 and a half inches tall. They had the photos of him. You know, every year, different books would have different photos and they'd have the stats about his growth and, you know, a few tidbits here and there about his life. And I just, I just couldn't believe that this guy could, a human body could get that big. <laughs> right. I mean, the, it, it was crazy. Like, I think by the time he was five, he was, you know, taller than his dad and carrying him around like he was nothing. <laughs> like, just incredible. As you're going to soon find out, we're want to do on this podcast. We go off on tangents. You mentioned Robert Wadlow, so uh, we're, we're from we're from the Midwest, and uh, I recently or not recently, but uh, I spent uh, a good amount of time in St. Louis. Uh, at the time, I um, was selling radio advertising, and when I was when I was selling radio advertising, one of my clients was this this really well known bar in Alton, Illinois called hmm. Fast Eddie's Bonaire. Mm-hmm. And at Fast Eddie's, they had one of Robert Wadlow's shoes because oh, he's cool. from that area. Yeah, he was and, born there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was just so funny sitting there drinking beer and eating burgers and just staring at this shoe. It's like no human could have worn that. There's no way. There's absolutely. <laughs> I was telling John before <laughs> right. the break, you know, we I love whenever we travel, we always go to the, the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museums and just about every one of them has the Robert Wadlow. Yep. Some of them are the animatronic, like you push a button and he stands up. But there is a picture going around of Shaquille O'Neal standing next to one of those Robert Wadlow mannequins. Oh, that's cool. And he looks like a child. Yeah. Looks, yeah, it's weird. You know I mean, right? Robert Wadlow is a better part smaller. of two feet taller. You know, he's he's almost nine feet tall. You know, and and uh, Shaq's like seven foot one. So yeah, it's it's crazy <laughs> to see. I'd like to. I have to Google that later. Absolutely. <laughs> Some there's but another yeah, one where it, someone it, put Yao Ming in with them, like photoshopped it, so they're all together, and you can see like the difference right. in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he should have been nine feet. One thing that you know, it's a sad story because he died young. He Super died twenty two. And and it's because he had a blister yeah. in that giant shoe on his toe and he had a brace and he was away from where he could get, you know, quick medical treatment and the blister got infected and gave him a fever of 106 degrees. And by the time he could get medical help, the fever was um, overpowered him and, and he passed away from that. Yeah. So a blister Terrible. on his foot brought him down, but he was still growing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't think I knew that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so Wadlow really got me into it. There were the other people in the books as well, the of course, guys, yeah. the guy with the crazy fingernails, and you know the, the little people, and the you know the world's heaviest twins, things like that. Sure. And I, I watched the Ripley's Believe It or Not show. You know, we used to watch that like at dinner time, so I love that. And then I watched the Elephant Man again. I was like seven years old, probably when I watched David Lynch's Elephant Man, and I you know I was fascinated by it. I mean, what an incredible story! Uh, and it really stuck with me. So. That was always kind of with me. And then I, I read, you know, I had those like time life books on, you know, ghosts and the 
paranormal, those kinds of books were always in my collection. So I've always liked it since I was a kid. And then I got, I started just getting much more into it. I guess in college, I'd started a zine called Backwash and that kind of got me going onto into the world of Sideshow again and interviewing different people in the world of Sideshow, um, which was amazing. And that led to my book called American Sideshow. And then it just kept going, you know, <laughs> these different paths of things I've always found interesting. Um, and odd and want to share those stories with people. There is no shortage out in the world of those stories to delve into. It's really not. You know, and uh, you, you spoke of watching Ripley's The TV Show. Uh, everyone knows Robert Stack being kind of spooky from Unsolved Mysteries. I'll put Jack Palance and his weird cadence <laughs> voice from the old Ripley show against Robert Stack as far as a spooky any day. But that's just me. <laughs> I, remember, I just remember watching it as a kid and being terrified by his, yeah. believe it. Or not? You do that big, heavy right. breathing. <laughs> That's right. Those guys are both great. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, delving into your newest book, Chasing Ghosts. This this book covers like the whole gamut of paranormal from ancient times to modern times and modern technology. And how do you, when you're writing a book, how do you tackle such a broad aspect? Or was it your idea to do the whole gamut, or and then, or was it to narrow it down? And then you just found that you had so much research that you're that's that's what it became. No, I wanted to cover a wide range. Uh, it's always the, the challenge is always like how do you find the right balance and how do you cover enough um, and not go overboard <laughs> and also not like leave it not let leave too much out. You know, you want to cover you want to cover it in a good balanced way. Um, but I like I like just how it all connects. You know, um, I, I guess one of the things that really got me into ghosts more specifically than just general interest from the world of the weird and growing up like in these things was uh, the spiritualism movement from the late 1800s and early 1900s modern spiritualism. And I began into that quite a bit the last few years and collecting a lot of old books. I love those books published in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, they're just full of these amazing stories and these amazing uh, events and manifestations of ghosts and supposed words from the, from the dead, you know, crossing the veil and what mediums were doing and how they were doing it and what people believed. So I really love what was what was going on and, and telling those stories and seeing how mediums were being exposed or how they were fooling people, uh, how magicians were going after them, you know, Houdini in particular. So there's just a lot of amazing storytelling. And it's just also one of these things where at that time, these millions of people believed and it was just yeah, thing like, okay, yeah, there's definitely life after death. There was no question about it. This is what it is. And we can go talk to people. It was such an in vogue topic too. Like it was something that the, the rich and well-to-do were putting seance rooms into their, their parlors or, or having people over. Uh, one of the, yes. the things that you talked about in your book, there's something that um, I went and toured was the Winchester uh, mansion, which was just a, a fun, fun sprawling estate with with weird idiosyncrasies and that was another thing that she was dabbling with um you know seances and the the paranormal and you know there's stories of whether it was because she wanted to save herself from the ghosts of the people that her fortune had killed and blah 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 it's such a different time and we see that and and the early 1900s, late 1800s, and then we kind of go away from that uh, through part of the century. And then now we're back into a heyday, so to speak, of, you know, you can turn on and there's tons of TV shows dedicated to the subject. Sometime in the mid-century, it was almost kind of taboo. 
Is that something through history they see a lot, the love-hate cooling warming of the subject? <laughs> or is that just uh, because of technology we've been able to see it so easily? I think maybe there's a little bit of, of both involved. I think maybe also with spiritualism, it kind of coincides like when it sort of started to fade away by the 20s, 30s. You know, It coincides with other forms of entertainment. Um, which might have had something to do with it. People are starting to be drawn towards other ways to spend their time versus going to seances. Because <laughs> um, you're right, that was like a, a thing to do. You know, even if you weren't a huge believer, you might go to a seance for entertainment. Mark Twain would go to seances for entertainment. You know, <laughs> Queen Victoria would hold seances uh, in England all the time. Um, you know, Mary Todd Lincoln, I wrote about in the book, she had mm -hmm. lots of seances at the White House. So these were things people did. But yeah, I think maybe part of it was a little bit of broadening entertainment options in the mid 1900s, maybe a little bit of just frowning upon it and realizing also that like, okay, maybe the, maybe this isn't as factual as we think it is or legitimate as we think it is, you know, maybe some of Houdini's exposing was doing its job finally and getting people right. to think twice. So I think there's probably elements of all those things. And now, you know, now there's just a huge resurgence. Like you said, it's like, the shows are all over TV and turn on cable and it's just, you could spend a whole day watching ghost shows. Um, I think part of that also, I, I think there was a huge resurgence after Ghostbusters, you know, 1984 and people realized like, oh, maybe I can use technology and maybe I could be a, every, every man who just wants to go look for ghosts with some tech, you know, and see I'll what I can a, find. I'll get a PKE meter. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. You know, and then you had the success of, of ghost hunters with the, the two plumbers and that's like, oh, those are just two ordinary guys also. I'm an ordinary right. guy. I want to go ghost hunting. And it just starts to become accessible and it's kind of fun and it's interesting. So I think it's, uh, you know, it, I think people are always going to be curious about this topic. You know, is there life after death is, you know, is, is as old a question as we have in humanity. So it's not going to go away. <laughs> That's not going away is right. One of the words you just used that I, I think is also applicable to your book is accessible. I, I, I want to read a quote from the from the book here uh, for the listeners. You go on to say, I'm not so sure that I've never seen a ghost. Part of it certainly comes down to personal views, but it also depends on one's definition of seeing a ghost. We have a tendency to think that ghost apparitions, spirits, specters, and wraiths just appear in front of us like in the movies. A translucent thing that floats through the dark, creepy hallways and cellars. But what if the deceased are projecting themselves into our minds while we're awake and dreaming? What if we're seeing ghosts a lot more often than we think and we just can't acknowledge it? Uh, you know, these are good, really cool, good questions. It made that, you putting that in the intro made the book so much more accessible to me because I've said a lot of times in the show before, I, I, um, like the idea of your dead grandma floating over you, you know, uh, and, you know, wearing her pearls. Like, I just don't believe that. I, I'm not saying I don't believe in the afterlife. I just don't literally believe that they're just kind of floating around like in like in Ghostbusters, you know, staring at us. Right. You open the door at the very top of the book to say, maybe we're thinking about this in the wrong way or, or you know, it's it. And that for someone like me, who is, tends to be a little bit more on the skeptical side, opens up everything else that the the, the theories that you're bringing forth. And I just wanted to uh, uh, point that out, but then also uh, ask you a little bit about how you got there. Well, I think a lot of that comes from just a, a lot of conversations I had with people in researching the book, uh, in particular, a few of the different parapsychologists. And the way they look at it was just, it was just different, you know, than, like I said, I, I think that's really true is that we... We do have that thought, like you just described, of like grandma floating over you with pearls. Like, oh, I haven't seen that. You know, I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm really believing that that's going on. Right. 
but yeah, I mean, a lot of the thoughts are like, oh, we don't, you're not like seeing them in front of you. It's, it's all happening in your mind's eye. And one of the parapsychologists, uh, Lloyd Auerbach, I thought he described it in a nice way to me where he said, a place where there might be a, a spirit reaching out to you or might be present in an area, it might make itself known in different ways. It might, people might perceive it in different ways. So maybe there's like a group of us in a room and maybe you see something in your mind's eye. Uh, someone else has like an olfactory sensation, smells like, you know, cologne or cigar smoke or something like that. Maybe someone hears something. Uh, maybe someone experiences nothing and thinks that the other ones are all crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So we might experience things in different ways. And maybe it's just something with how a spirit is able to connect with us, you know, mentally in, in one way or another. Uh, and maybe it depends on how receptive you are to that or who knows what different kinds of energies we have that allow us to be, you know, uh, you know, received by, by a ghost or receive a ghost's message or whatever it might be, a presence. Um, I don't know. There's, there's just so much mystery to it. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of these things like, why, why is it hard to believe that someone could be more um, reachable by a spirit than maybe someone else, you know, whether it's through psychic or telepathy or whatever it might be. We see plenty of things that people can do that, that we can't do. Um, that yeah. Like athletes. Make sense. Athletes or think about like, like someone, um, someone like autism or something who can calculate like crazy savants numbers. in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. yeah savants like, how someone can calculate like a eight digit number multiplied by an eight digit number in like a second and a half makes no sense to me. Like I, my brain can't possibly do something like that. Right, I right, don't understand right. how anyone's brain can do it, but yet someone's can. So why, why not believe that maybe some other people's minds work in slightly different ways than their own and can have these experiences? I think that's important. And I think that a lot of people put up, I don't want to say artificial barriers, but anything that's out of their wheelhouse is a, a, a no-no. And we're taught in, you know, in school, and if you go into the sciences, you need to be able to think outside of the box. But then if you go too far outside of the box, and they, they want to beat you with the box, so to speak. Yeah. And, and one of the things you said in the book that I thought was really interesting was there was a study that 45% of Americans believe in ghosts. So, and I, I will say this too. Of the 55% that don't, I bet they still don't want to go into a dark basement if they know no one's down there. You know what I mean? So even if they <laughs> right. don't believe there's still that mm, feeling, why are there then, as you've done all this studying, or why is it that, that so many people are so quick to disbelieve the experiences of others? Do you have a theory? I mean, part of the theory might just be that it's always been, like you said, don't go far too far out of the box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people think they're going to be thought less of if they believe it. You know, there might be just a fear of uh, what other people's opinions might be if they come out and say like, oh, I believe in ghosts or I've seen ghosts. Um, Maybe they're worried about that. Yeah. Or maybe they really don't believe it, but... Mark, do you think it also has something to do with the fact that we're talking about a subject that's not quantifiably provable one way or the other? And what I mean, and I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but my point being that any of these things, whether that's the existence of aliens, the existence of ghosts, the existence of God, because it's not quantifiably provable one way or the other, 
that allows for a lot of charlatans to enter into those spaces. And we've seen those in all three of these cases, whether it be, um, uh, whether it be the, uh, the Warrens from the, the spiritual side, whether it be, you know, some of the, the televangelists that we've seen go down in flames, uh, from the religious side, you know, uh, in, in UFOs, of course, there's plenty of folks that have been proven to be, uh, uh, you know, false prophets, if you will. Um, it, you know, is, do you think that has something to do with it? I think it, I imagine it does. Yeah. I mean, especially in an era like now where we have so much science, so much data, right? Like so much is quantifiable that it's probably hard to just, you know, for some people to say like, well, yeah, you can't prove anything. And, you know, I want to, I want to see facts. I want to believe in numbers and Mm -hmm. statistics. And we don't have any of those. (laughs) There's no hard evidence, you know? But do you ever wonder that if maybe we didn't have that stigma, that maybe people would be able to delve into this further and maybe get that evidence? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, th- I think, you know, I mean, one answer to that might be just looking back at ancient cultures, you know, which yeah. is the first part of the book mm-hmm. when we didn't have those thoughts. And people, I think, did believe in terms of their cultures were mm-hmm. based more around what happens after death. Uh, and, and a lot of the cultures had similar thoughts and beliefs, even though they had no contact with each other. Like I was always amazed when I was writing about the Egyptian culture and the Book of the Dead and like the Aztec culture and their beliefs. And, and you see how many similarities there are. And these cultures are thousands of miles apart. You know, they, there's no contact between them on, on the planet at that point in time. Um, th- there was just no way to do that. So it's interesting to think like, okay, people had these similar beliefs and no matter what culture we're in, uh, there were lots of beliefs. And you wonder like, you know, did they know something more? Um, than we know now that's been lost? Uh, or is that just, you know, because they didn't have anything else to prove otherwise, they, they've, you know, found reasons to believe in ghosts more than we might now. Yeah. Similar to, similar to religion and God, right? Right. I, I think so. And, and especially in the past and then where we're at right now, something you said, heck, it's on the jacket of your book, Ghosts Are Everywhere. That's incredibly true. Everywhere is in pop culture uh, and in religion and in our history and in people's minds and, and just out there. And you had a vast history to dig through. How did you choose your stories or did you, did you have certain ones you wanted to talk about or did you seek out specific things and see where it led you? How'd you pick what you wanted to put in the book? (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely a lot that was tricky. (laughs) I mean, right. Like you, it could be 9,000 pages and uh, that's volume one. And (laughs) yeah, there's no shortage of stories. That's for sure. I I guess in terms of like going back in history, there were things I, I knew I wanted to cover. Uh, certain stories that I thought were, you know, you, you definitely want to hit on to kind of help tell the story of how we've evolved in, in culture and humanity. And then as you start to study those, you start to find other things, you know, like, oh, when I'm learning about this culture, I found about this culture. Okay, let me dig into that a little bit more. And you start to find other little stories there. So you kind of go on these different paths as, as you're researching. And then from there, figuring out, okay, well, some of these are interesting to include, can't include everything. Um, but in terms of the ancient culture, I just kind of wanted to give a good spectrum of of many different cultures with somewhat similar beliefs in one way or another to kind of show how no matter where you were or what you what your uh, culture was, you had you had some kind of similar belief. And then there were other stories too. I mean, just going up a little bit further into history with uh, like stories about purgatory and maybe how those sort of stem from other beliefs. 
Um, and then some of the different occultists and mystics who were trying to speak to spirits and, you know, like John D and Emmanuel Swedenborg. And, you know, I just find their stories amazing. And there, there were more guys like that, but again, I had to like kind of draw the line somewhere. Um, but it's interesting to show their stories, you know, again, just kind of showing the progression of people's beliefs and, and how we get to eventually the second section of the book, the modern spiritualism section. And then again, showing uh, how it continues into haunted places and, and, you know, obviously everything going on today. So yes, there's a lot to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) And it was definitely a a little challenging to to pick and choose, but definitely start with things I knew I wanted to get into and kind of just branched out um, as I, as I researched and found interesting stories to include. Speaking of interesting stories, you mentioned one of my favorites that I don't think as many of us, uh, I certainly wasn't before I started doing this podcast, aware of, and that's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and and his not only his tie to spiritualism, but just the uh, the world of the weird as well. And <laughs> he was into a lot, you know. And um, obviously, we we all just know him from the books he wrote. But uh, how far down the Arthur Conan Doyle rabbit hole did you go? A little bit. I took a little journey down that rabbit hole because it's a good one. And it is pretty amazing how, I mean, he's, he's immortalized because of Sherlock Holmes, but he was really looking to be, you know, to live on forever just through his afterlife. He was sure that it was a real thing. <laughs> right. And, I mean, he was, he was probably one of the biggest uh, evangelists of spiritualism, you know, around Europe and traveling all over America, talking about how real this phenomenon was and, and really believing in, in various mediums. He was big into ectoplasm and things like that. I remember him doing tours and, and talking about that when we did our episode on ectoplasm a long time ago. Yeah, he would have huge lectures and they'd be packed. You know, people would be fine to get inside of his lectures to hear him speak. Uh, and and he, of course, you know, famously befriended Houdini. And, and so they had this, you know, awkward relationship where Doyle is trying to convince Houdini that this is real. And he believed Houdini had powers. Um, psychic powers and could communicate with the dead. Houdini's like, no, I, I don't. Like, I'm, I can tell you how I can do different things. I can tell you how these mediums are doing, but it's not real. And Doyle's like, no, it's real. And and eventually, his wife, you know, Lady Doyle, she she's a medium as well, and she's holding seances. And there's a famous story which I, I mentioned in the book where they invite Houdini to. Uh, I think they were staying. I think they were staying in Atlantic City, and they invite Houdini up to their room, and Lady Doyle gives a reading and channels his his mother and writes like 15 pages of of notes from his mother and houdini you know was very very fond of his his um deceased mother and and he looks at these notes and he's like yeah this none of this she would have said none of this first of all she didn't speak english (laughs) (laughs) telling you this is not my mom (laughs) and doyle you know arthur conan doyle was offended he's like how dare you are are you saying my wife is is not for real are you calling her a fraud how you know how dare you say such a thing and so that kind of strained their relationship a little bit but yeah but doyle went on truly believing i mean he even believed in fairies you know he wrote a book called the coming of fairies and there were like two teenage girls who were creating photos of, of fairies and just you know obviously it was a hoax but he wrote this book and they have all these amazing photos in the book of these girls with the fairies out in the woods. And he was like, yeah, there's fairies too. You know, he was, <laughs> he really believed it. He had a, a spirit who was from ancient times that was speaking to him and his wife named Phineas. And Phineas would give them all sorts of guidance on, you know, travel plans, where to buy a home. You know, maybe Lady Doyle was sort of using Phineas to help convince her husband of things that she wanted. I don't know, but, 
but they took a lot of advice from Phineas, the spirit. Um, yeah. So he was, he was definitely an interesting case and he believed right, right to the end. I mean, he, even after Houdini um, sort of butted heads with Marjorie, the medium, the witch of Lime street, which was a famous story from the 1920s. Mm-hmm. He still was like, Nope, Marjorie's for real convinced. Um, and still was, you know, singing her praises after, you know, Houdini uh, was, you know, did everything he could to expose her. Didn't Houdini around the same time also offer like a huge cash reward if you could prove that ghosts exist existed or something to that effect? Yeah, I think he offered a, a, a ten thousand dollar reward. Yeah, that sounds right. Ten thousand. Yeah, there's yeah. actually a picture of him holding the check in the book. Um, and then he was also that the case I just mentioned with Marjorie, the Witch of Lime Street. That was part of a Scientific American magazine um, contest where they were offering twenty five hundred dollars if a medium could prove. To, to their panel of experts that they were legitimate. And of course the panel included Houdini along with the magazine editors and, and, you know, professors from Harvard and, uh, you know, very distinguished people. And Marjorie had convinced them all, but Houdini. Hmm. And what, one thing I love about that is how this woman, she was a housewife in Boston uh, and her, and she learned to do all these things, you know, to manifest, you know, ectoplasm and to make bells and, and, and boxes ring from afar and have the spirit of her deceased brother Walter speaking to people and uh, making things levitate and float around the room. I mean, she did all these amazing um, manifestations, you know, and, and held held all these seances. And she did this for no money. She just did it to do it. Originally, she did it to, I think, help her mother get over the the loss of her son, her Marjorie's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke with her great great granddaughter, and she was, you know, describing how she thinks that this was mostly to help her mother kind of deal with her grief. And then it sort of got picked up when word got around and now she had to kind of perform, you know, on the bigger stage yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, but how did she learn these things? You know, how right. did she learn things that like, even Houdini was having some, like, I'm not quite sure how this is working to fool some of the greatest magicians who've ever lived when you're a housewife in Boston. It's, <laughs> it's really an incredible story. And a lot of the mediums were like that. There were a lot of women who became mediums and I think it was a very empowering thing for them. All of a sudden they're an authority and a you know the religion, all of a sudden they have a position of power. Um, you know they're able to do things where they it's like a job basically they couldn't have had. They they, they didn't have as many opportunities obviously in, in those days. So yeah. here was an interesting new job with a lot of power and respect. Well, there's not the only times that in history there have been people that are helping, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes that you can't see. <laughs> uh, people that are also have been called grifters and and, and have different levels of notoriety and, and one of the other groups that you talked about john mentioned earlier were ed and lorraine warren they've kind of had a resurgence in the past few years with the conjuring movies um not that they were ever really out of the the limelight but do you feel polarizing figures like them uh, and the the mediums of the past that may have been proven wrong or, or not proven wrong do they affect the, the the paranormal community when such embellished movies, like the, the Conjuring movies, are embellishments even of what the, the Warrens come out? Does that hurt the paranormal when it's introduced to new audiences, or do you see it as just a means to to introduce new people to it? I think there's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think maybe you have some of the mediums who were just, you know, very fraudulent would turn people off to believing any of this could possibly be true. So you might say, oh, there's no way any of this is legitimate. It's all garbage. You know, look at so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, so if there are people who can legitimately do things, they're sort of spoiled by these other people who, you know, were fakes, right? Right. So I think that kind of hurts. But on the other hand, 
um, it's entertaining and it might turn people onto it just in terms of uh, being an interesting thing, which I guess would be my case. I find it fascinating. So it makes me want to read more about it. And by virtue of that, learning about all different kinds of people and, and you know what might or might not be legitimate. So I think maybe you get a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, I think you see that in the UFO community too. There was, like you mentioned earlier, there's plenty of people who were false prophets and especially in the 50s who had all kinds of wild stories. Uh, and they make anyone who believes in the UFO then look foolish because like, oh, you're like that, that schmo, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> right. it's not exactly helping people who want to be taken uh, seriously in any way. And those same charlatans are out there selling things and taking advantage of people that just have blind faith. Yeah. And that, that that's something we've seen time and time again. And and, and it can be something as, as simple as, uh, you know, asking for money in exchange to see this thing that, that never happens. Or, uh, you know, to me, a, a lot of like the, the, the companies out there that are making these electronic devices that will detect ghosts for you or these, what are they called, talk boxes or whatever. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I think that's just all a bunch of electronic junk that they're, that they're you know, uh, it's a quick make a quick buck type of thing. Uh, not, uh, and not to say that there aren't ghosts out there, but I just don't think that those, these, these machines that people are miraculously coming up with uh, are anything more than, than an ability. So I think what, I guess what I'm saying is that uh, those, those companies and those people being out there doing that stuff actually really hurt the, um, the genuinely curious and the genuinely um, um, uh, perceptive and and the folks that that want to figure out it, what it, what is be- uh, behind that thin veil. Yeah, I think you know a parapsychologist would wouldn't use the, any of that technology to try to find a ghost. They might use some technology to show what's going on that's not a ghost. Mm, you know, yeah. this is this is why you're feeling something paranormal right now because there's this crazy electromagnetic field going on from this machinery behind the wall or whatever it is. And that's what this meter is telling me, not that there's a ghost here, you know, so (laughs) technology might be used in that way. There is one, one interesting story though, about, you mentioned the talk boxes, spirit boxes, which are trying to capture electronic voice phenomena, you know, so you hold it up and you feel like, okay, I'm going, I'm scanning through different wavelengths through the radio and maybe the ghost is able to communicate through one of these, these wavelengths or something like that. Somehow they're able to ride through this technology and get a recording. And people claim to have recordings that you can hear things and don't know how much of that is you hearing what you want to hear versus what's actually maybe just noise or something else. But, um, but there was an interesting case. I talked to a couple um, uh, paranormal investigators who worked at the Stanley hotel in Estes park in Colorado, you know, which is famous for being where Stephen King was inspired to write the shining. And, and I've, I've been there. I've done the ghost tour there. And I grew up in Colorado, actually. So um, always liked that place. <laughs> but these guys, they've led tours for years. And they were saying how they were familiar with some of the ghosts. They were saying that they were friendly with some of the ghosts. And eventually, I think they stopped hearing from some of them. They felt like maybe the tours were wearing on them or they didn't like how people were treating them on the tours, whatever. So they tried something unique one night and they used the spirit box um, but what they did was instead of all like listening to something that was recorded and then saying, oh, did you hear this? Oh, yeah, I heard that too. And you have that sort of group, group think mentality. Like, yeah, 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 we all heard the ghost say this. They had one guy put on um, headphones and you know a, a blindfold, basically like have some sensory deprivation except for the headphones and what he was hearing. So he might be on, on over in this room and then the other guys might be, you know, 
a, a distance away from him, maybe another room. And those people might be asking questions to get a response from the ghost. And so the guy with the headphones would say anything he heard um, through this spirit box. So if he heard something, he would just shout it out. Mm-hmm. And then they said that the things he would shout out would have would would be feel like answers to the questions that were being asked, even though he didn't know what the questions were. So it's an interesting technique. That would be that a someone hell of a be, thing to witness. That is amazing. Yeah, I, I spoke to someone also who leads ghost tours at the Trans Allegheny Lunatic uh, Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia, which has a very creepy past and lots of great ghost stories there. And and she tried this method as well and had some great stories and great results from it of like. I didn't know till afterward that this was the question asked, but this is what I heard and this is what I shouted out. So yeah, you're not being influenced by anything and it's it's honestly what you're hearing. And it's uh you know makes you wonder again, not saying that this is all legitimate, but it was interesting and it does make you wonder if, if something might be happening. We understand so little of the world around us that even that's in front of our eyes. To write things off because of learned reasoning and things like that just seems just ignorant to me. So it, it's, it's fascinating. And and one thing I, I liked about your book is it's, it's an amazing place to start. People can read this and it reads and goes through very easily. And it's also very comprehensive. And that's not an easy thing to say. John paid you one of the, a, a great compliment we were talking about. It. He goes, this reads really well. I liked it. And we, cause we, we get a lot of books and, and some of them are not as easy to chew through, you know, to use a, a turn of phrase, you know, they read like stereo instructions, not the, <laughs> not the case here. Um, new readers, this is brand new coming out on the 28th of September. What tips do you have for new readers that are interested in the paranormal that like your book? What are their next steps? What do they, what do they do? What do they learn? What's what, what should they do? I would go through the bibliography <laughs> after you like, if you're, if there's yeah. something you like, it's broken up by chapter and you can dig into things much more because there's so much more. And I covered, I, I tried to cover as much as I could without again, going too crazy and not leaving room for other stories, but there's a lot to dig into. I mean, you know, you can dig into more of those uh, Victorian era spiritualism stories, different mediums. I cover a lot of different mediums and the different kinds of effects they produce and the stories behind them and whether or not they were exposed and how they were exposed if they were. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting ways that, that, that those happen. I mean, one of them I love is uh, precipitated paintings, which are spirit paintings. Basically, a medium produces a painting that's painted by a spirit on a canvas. People would go sit in front of it and see a painting appear right before their eyes. Perfect. Like a beautiful painting. And like, how did they do that? And it took, uh, I talked about a, mag- a certain magician who really honed in on it and um, did a lot of work to figure out what they were doing and believed he figured out the technique and tried it and was successful. And he eventually got worked into uh, Howard Thurston's act on stage. Um, so there's a lot, of, there's just a lot of great stories in there. So I think it'd be fun to, if you, if you like the book, uh, if you like chasing ghosts, um, dig into some more of the stories. It, it's everything there is in the bibliography. You can look up a lot more and, and go from there. Speaking about what's next, what's next for you? Do you have anything else planned in this whole? I mean, this is this is your bread and butter. Uh, uh, what what's what's on your horizon? Any idea? Yeah, in fact, hopefully we can talk again when this one comes out because I'll be writing about some UFOs. So. Well, that is right in our wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> feels like a natural next step <laughs> it's let's just i mean let's just schedule it now yeah you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah there's uh once again uh no shortage of information and oh my god leads no. and it's i'm i'm already inundated <laughs> yeah 
I bet. If everyone wants to find you, what's the best places for them to find you? What's what's your your best place to purchase the book? Where should everyone go? Uh, well, you can buy Chasing Ghosts. It's from Quirk Books. You can go anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any independent bookstore. You can find out about more about me and my books at markhartsmanbooks.com. Uh, it's M-A-R-C-H-A-R-T-Z-M-A-N, books.com. Uh, you can find me on social media, just usually my name, or you can go to Weird Historian, um, weirdhistorian.com, on Instagram at Weird Historian. That's a lot. Just um, look for Chasing Ghosts at Amazon or any bookstore and go from there. <laughs> or just go to the show notes right here because we're going to have links to all of this. So it's going to be very, oh, very, very Thank simple. You. Yeah. And, and Nation, you really should. If you're, if you're looking for a good book on the subject that's comprehensive, but not crushingly so you know it's not you're, you're not getting into war and peace this is it's great it also doesn't make any assumptions for you the book uh mark i thought you did a really even-handed job of of uh just like here here are the stories that come from uh, ancient times all the way through current day but it it doesn't beat you over the head with it, it allows you to draw your own conclusions and and so believers and skeptics alike, I think, would really, really enjoy this book. I'm, I'm certainly glad that I spent time with it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate hearing that. That, that, was, that wasn't that was my intent. So yeah, that's great. Well, it should always be your intent just to, to make yeah. John and I happy when you write. That's the only yeah, well, thing you got to yeah. worry about. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, no one should, no one knows one way or the other, right? Like to, <laughs> right. To say that you're, to say it's this way or that way, you know, that'd be, none of us know for sure. So Absolutely. you do have to draw your own conclusions. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to it. We're gonna we're gonna keep you on that that hook for the next time with UFOs or whatever. We can talk fairies, we can talk whatever you're gonna write about because it was a blast. Thank you so That'd much. Be great, thank you. I'd love to come back. Well, Nation, we'll be right back with more Hysteria Fifty One. not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash i'm downloading the upside app now download the free upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas use promo code car for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank account paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code car for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank that's code car Nation, welcome back. That was Mark. Mark is great. God, Mark's what an asshole. Oh, what an asshole, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was really great. He was I actually I'm I was telling him during the break when we were uh when we were chatting with him, I'm I'm looking forward to reading the back. He's got a book on Mars that I've already ordered. I'm looking forward to reading. It was kind of weird when you asked him to stare at your feet. I no, mean, you Zoom. don't read the back and forth. He asked if he could stare at my feet. That's you got to watch the chat when we're in these Zoom meetings. Oh, sorry about that. I it always that. is awkward when you say dumb shit like that, and then I feel bad for the other people. <laughs> so, all right. So he, here, uh, one thing that he brought up, or one thing that he um, spurred a thought 
to me. Okay. And it's something that I'd love to dive in deeper at some point. Uh, uh, and it's the kind of the science we've talked about this before, but the scientific side of, of the supernatural, there was, I, I forget the name of it, but there's an English group, uh, that, ex, ex, um, that, that researches, uh, various, uh, ghost sightings and things that like that, but they only use the scientific method. And like, I, you know, a right. lot of folks think that they're, they're too heavy on that. But anyway, the point is I love finding the, like the scientific aspects or angles to this stuff. And one thing that I've been thinking about lately, forget about whether ghosts are real or not. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But the fact that like he was talking about the talk box and somebody being, um, you know, blindfolded and, and not being able to hear anything mm-hmm. and in another room and that somehow what that person would say would correspond, whether that the words they were given came from a spirit or whether the words they were given came through telepathy or whatever. So many of the things that we talk about on this show could be easily explained by string theory, right? <laughs> well. I think you said something really important there, though. Easily explained by string theory. That sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but like, you know, the, the whole the whole we always talk about the two protons being a million miles away and being reactive to each other and being tied that the string, yeah. you know, the, depending the, on if you're uh, looking at them or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But then also one starts rotating one way and then a million miles away. Rot- that same, right. uh, you know, the corresponding proton ro- ro- rotates the other way. I'm getting that wrong. Scientists write in the the point is. Whether it's spirits or whether it's us communicating with each other or whether it's just electricity or some some other force, it is so interesting. Like you said, there's so much we don't know. Um, I, it maybe maybe that's just the science of how the spirits talk to us. Maybe it's the science of how we accidentally uh, uh, have uh, telecommunicate with each other, or maybe it's some third option that I'm not thinking of right this second. But you know, I bet you all of it has it has an explanation if you get deep enough you know it's not just all woo woo like there is an explanation even if it is real it's funny you just said that you brought up something that i've just started the tv show manifest it's three seasons in and it's uh there's a plane that's flying and they have turbulence and the turbulence stops and they land and it's been five years and to them it was no time whatsoever it was five and a half years And they're realizing in the show, and I'm only in like deep into the first season, um, how our brains are connected through like a neural net through electrical impulses and things like that. And it's, it's kind of like what you were just saying. Um, you know, that's kind of like the, the, the whole premise of the show is we don't really know what's going on in the mind. Um, nor do we know it's, you know, you definitely not even in in physics, right? Like, like, and how interconnected things truly. Well, that's kind of like what I was telling Mark is like the, the, what we don't know about the world is astounding. (laughs) <laughs> you could write a book about it do you think we'll ever know do you think we as the living will ever know the truth about um the afterlife before we the proverbial we die when you say we do you mean we as humanity yes or do you not mean, like, like as- not you and i like going out to figure it out our own humanity well, no, like, like there's the one answer is maybe a second before you die you're still technically alive no no i mean like know. on here's how you know eighth graders are learning about it you know oh in yeah yeah uh, uh no i don't don't yeah i don't know that's a heady one i'd love maybe i'm totally wrong but um 
you, you also talked about this with things like that. And, and uh, you know, if they were talking to one another and it could still be described by sign, what would it take for you to believe in the paranormal? Would it be your grandmother with her pearls floating over you going, John, clean your fucking ass. Or does it <laughs> like have to be something a little less tangible? Well, um, I, I think it's a question. The question is, what are you asking me to believe in? Everything I, I fucking afterlife. say, period. I, I, well, like, we can start with the, the afterlife. afterlife. Yeah, we can start with the afterlife. Then we'll just move on to everything else I say. You know, like, uh, I believe in God. Um, uh, I, so, so you believe like, in the that's afterlife. That's a start, right? You there, believe there in are, the afterlife. Uh, non-tangible things that I believe in. But then the question is, like, like how, far does that, how far does that extend? Do I believe that there are angels floating around? Um, are they here on Earth, fight, uh, you know, uh, engaging in spiritual warfare? I don't know. Uh, are there, and then that takes it a step further. Is my grandma floating around somewhere in pearls saying hi to people? You know, there's a line somewhere in there where I stop believing and I'm, I can't tell you exactly where that line is. Um, but it's somewhere, it's somewhere in the middle. It's not, I'm not on the far end of the spectrum where like, I don't believe in anything, you know, I believe, like I said, I believe in God. I believe in the afterlife. Um, I believe there's a lot out there we don't understand and can't explain. I, I, and I'm just not sure where the line stops. I hope there's a demon out there listening to this somewhere going like, he's going to learn today. He's going <laughs> to learn today. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, you've heard us drone on and on about our thoughts on the the afterlife and the paranormal. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, I'd love to hear it. And because we're going to be doing a, a voicemail episode coming up, call and let us know. And this can be a couple minutes long. If you have a specific experience that you've had, call and let us know. Maybe we can do some listener stories of a paranormal experience that caught you off guard, that you feel was real, that you are willing to share and you don't have to use your name. And at the end of it, you can even say, or the beginning, um, we'll edit it out. You can tell us if you want us to modulate your voice, they won't even hear your voice. You don't have to give us your name. I think that'd be fun to dive down some stories from listeners. It's something that uh, we can do here coming up. And that's at 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. Where else can they talk about this stuff, John? Well, before I tell you that, one, one note to, you know who you are. Um, I we, we love you, and we want you to call in, and we appreciate you calling in and, and telling amazing stories and jokes. But... Don't call in under the auspices of telling us a paranormal story and then spend 10 minutes with a punchline of, and Seabot did it. Uh, we, <laughs> Wait, sorry. I thought that was really funny. We, no, we, we get enough of that from Seabot. Uh, we don't, we don't need more. We, you know, th- this, uh, you know, this is a genuine, a-, a genuine ask for folks to share and we will, we will play them non-judgmentally. And just share them with the world. So we don't we don't want the uh, uh, we don't want the joke voicemails in there for this one. Yeah. Any other voicemail you normally would leave, go ahead, have fun, and we'll you know we'll see if it makes. And it just in. say at the beginning, just say this is for the paranormal voicemail episode. Yeah. Yeah. Easy and peasy. if you want to write about it, and you want to talk to other people about it, a really good place to start would be our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. 
Just go to Facebook.com, search Hysteria Nation. It's where we all hang out. Seabot hangs out, talks about the, the topic of the week, talks about anything else that might be tickling the back of our brain that day. <laughs> also, if you're on Facebook and like hanging out, check out our Facebook group. Like you said, Hysteria Nation, go into the featured posts and find our Discord server. We have a Discord server. I'm on there quite a bit. We talked, we we post lots of photos. There's you know, memes and dumbass shit and banter. And, uh, you know, we can talk about whatever you want on there. And it's a more loose format, just back and forth. So if you use Discord, make sure to check that out. Also, Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria 51, up all nights, mad blur hysterias, all sorts of radio dramas, lots of fun on there. Voicemail, like I said, again, that number seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. If you forget any of this stuff, where they go, John? Gofopedia.com. <laughs> G-O-F-O-P-E-D-I-A.com. Or hysteria51.com. Yeah. And uh boy, I don't even think I've told you, Brent. I was I was lurking on our own Discord the other day. I was uh, I was lurking to see what was going on. Folks having a nice chat is great. Yeah, yeah. We got you in there and uh today we were talking about I don't I don't remember. Um something about me being a genius and then they told me I was full of shit and they all talked about uh if I could never be a genius if I was stupid enough to make conspiracy bots. So that was fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I need to come back more often. <laughs> so, oh, that was fun. Again, a huge thank you to Mark Hartsman. Guys, check the book out. Check his links. He's got his own podcast. He's got his own weird historian website. They are gold. Really, his writing is really good. Go check it out. And you can find all those links in the show description. With all that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.